In elementary, we all have pizza days, hot dog days. It was like a dollar and you get a hot dog or a pizza, pops and chip, pop and chips. Well, I guess like when I was younger, I didn't realize how poor we were until I saw everyone had it but me. I had a peanut butter and a salad jelly sandwich every day and a juice box. And one of my friends back in grade one, I was six years old, told me, hey, how come you don't have, how come you don't have this? And then at that point, I felt so embarrassed. And then I guess like this never really came to light until oh, I'm 30 now. So until this year. Yeah. So I've been working with like a meditation coach and she's really helped me draw out these subconscious thoughts or subconscious sure. experiences that I've hid or like mm. the ego hides for, from us to protect us. Hey guys, it's Troy here. And today I, I have a special guest with me. Uh, he's, my friend, he's my friend James. And recently I had the opportunity to reconnect with him after we first initially met at the University of Alberta. We got together and I had the chance to really, you know, uh, hear his story and hear some of the personal experiences that uh, he has gone through and that he has been going through and you know it really aligned and resonated with me and sort of what you know sort of the more grand vision for Orbis that I have and so we decided to collaborate and I'm really excited about this opportunity because it's going to really allow us to produce a lot more video content about some of the sensitive topics that truly impact all of us. Now, to kick things off today, we'll be talking about the topic of comparing ourselves to others. How often do you find that you are comparing yourself to those around you? This might be in the form of, you know, when you're at the gym and you're comparing your physique to other people. This might be in the form of, you know, comparing your personal material belongings to those of others, right? You know, our cars, our houses, you know, our financial situations, right? Or it could even be, you know, our accomplishments, right? How often have you been in a scenario where you've looked at some, you know, your superior and felt that, you know, you wish that you could be in the same place they've been, right? And a lot of times these thoughts, these really intrusive thoughts stem from our, you know, childhood experiences and they manifest them, themselves in, you know, this, these sort of, you know, behaviors in our adult life. And, you know, when I first connected with James, you know, he shared one of his personal experiences with me that I want to, you know, get him to share today, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, please take it away, man. Yeah, so I guess like, the, I guess like what you said, a lot of the things that we, our childhood actually affects our behaviors and thoughts right now. And I think what you're saying is right, like comparison is, is everyone does it. Yeah. So I guess the story I want to share that I shared before is about the, the pizza boy story. It's a super sensitive topic that I don't like sharing because it's affected my behaviors all the way till I guess now, even now, I still let it affect me. 
Um, I guess in elementary we all have pizza days, hot dog days. It was like a dollar and you get a hot dog or pizza, pops and chip, pop and chips. Well, I guess like when I was younger, I didn't realize how poor we were until I saw everyone had it but me. I had a peanut butter and salad jelly sandwich every day and a juice box. Mm -hmm. And one of my friends back in grade one, I was six years old, told me, hey, how come you don't have, how come you don't have this? And then at that point, I felt so embarrassed and then I guess like this never really came to light until oh, I'm 30 now, so until this year. Yeah. So I've been working with like a meditation coach and she's really helped me draw out these subconscious thoughts or subconscious sure. experiences that I've hid or like mm. the ego hides for, from us to protect us, right? Yeah. So, I mean, introspectively I looked into it and then I realized, shit, this is the reason why I'm fucking spending like an idiot sometimes. And mm. like, I wanna show and flex, I guess, for lack of a better term, that I have money now. Mm -hmm. And that's that's really affected me. It's super personal, but I mean, who knows? Like everyone, I think, has like a personal story that they don't really know mm -hmm. that's affected them. And sometimes our past is distorted too, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, what really amazes me is, you know, that this insight that you've been able to, to really uh, acquire came at a time where you know most people would have looked at you and you know saw you as someone that really had everything right i mean you had just moved back from toronto after moving away for for a job and you know you took over ownership of a of your own restaurant at the early age of 27 yeah right and you know you you know you had this business you had other several successful businesses and you know you had all of these different you you were able to accomplish all of these different milestones that most people spend all of their life chasing after and yet you know you you fell into this um, you you ended up falling into a a battle with depression right you know, talk to us a little bit about, like share with our audience, you know, because I think we, a lot of people can truly resonate with this, how we can have it all, yet feel like we don't have anything at all. Yeah, well, I guess for me, I was chasing that, that high, the success that I thought I wanted. So kind of the money, money train, I call it. So you just follow constantly making money money mm -hmm. and like you get to a certain point you think you're happy then you feel like you have to level up to the next point yeah and then again you go to the next point so by the time i got to like six figures i was like okay cool i made it got myself a fucking tattoo like i i, I earned this tattoo yeah. and then i guess after that i decided okay i think i'm done with this corporate nine to five job i need to own my own business mm -hmm. because i'm not happy so then when i owned the business there was that short honeymoon phase almost like that shiny new car feeling. Yeah. It was honestly so short-lived. I think it was like two months where I felt like I was on top of the world. After two months, I literally fell so like low that I stopped going to work, yeah. stopped going to the restaurant to help out. You know, when we're depressed, when we're lazy, we just want to stay home and watch what Netflix or YouTube mindlessly. So yeah. that's literally all I did for like a month straight. I'd get text messages and calls from my employees where are you? Where the fuck are you? We need you yeah. here. We need your help. Yeah. Yeah, I'd slowly get out of bed and go there and meet them. But 
I mean, like, it's a typical thing that people do. Like, we chase this high that we want, we think we want, and it's called the arrival fallacy. That's what mm -hmm. psychologists call it. Mm -hmm. We think it would be happy when we get to that point, but I mean, I thought it was, and then I just hit rock bottom at that point. For sure. So. Yeah. No kidding. And that must have been such a you know challenging experience for you to to go through, right? Especially because it completely. It almost misaligned with what you thought, you know, would have led to, led you to, you know, a life of happiness and fulfillment, right? You had all these things, but you were still missing that that piece, right? And I know that your childhood experience of, you know, um, your very traumatic childhood experience of, you know, seeing everyone around you, you know being able to to have the luxury of being able to afford you know pizza yeah. right and sometimes i find that it's some of these you know some of these things that seem so simple and so benign they often have the greatest impact on us in our adult yeah. right it's like when you say trauma i think about it like what that's not trauma but yeah. i guess when you're young it is trauma you don't yeah. know how to cope with those feelings and Obviously, I'm not going to talk to my parents about it. It's not something that I feel like I could talk to them. Mm -hmm. I was embarrassed. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it is trauma when you're young. But when I look at it now, if that happened to me now, I, I would just go buy pizza. But yeah. I mean, maybe that's why I like pizza so much. I have pizza like twice a week. Because <laughs> that, maybe that's what it is. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No kidding. I know that, you know, personally for me, one of the experiences in my childhood and and we'll get to you know adult experiences and you know what what how these things would have manifested to those but in my childhood experience i had a what i considered a pretty poor experience in grade six right and i remember in this one in this one particular grade i had a teacher and she basically essentially went completely against the curriculum she decided to cancel all of our gym classes she decided to cancel all of our recesses hold us inside forcefully and instead we learned about social studies right we spent uh, so much time learning about social studies and i remember we would have a quiz every single week right and what would happen is that she would she not only gave us you know a quiz every week she also made our marks completely transparent and so what i mean by that is that every time we would write the quiz she would grade them and she would pass around you know the the grade sheet right and you can see the names of every single person in the class and you can see their mark right and you you would be ranked from top performing to lowest performing and i remember the sheet would come around and i get the sheet and I look at it and I would see 96, you know, 95, 92, 91. And then I would look all the way down the list to find my name. And I would see, you know, 46, yeah. 45, 42, right? And this was, this ended up, this class ended up being the first D that I ever got, ever. And so, as a result, you know, I, as I went through, you know, my junior high, high school, eventually getting into university, I always felt as if I wasn't smart enough. I always felt I, you know, 
you know, we we are in this class of 400 people, yeah. <clears throat> right? You were the you were the person that got through somehow. I yeah. Guess, like, uh, yeah. 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 And it's uh, you know, it's I know that we've talked about this and off the camera, but you know, a phenomenon called the imposter syndrome, right? And we'll and we'll go through this in you know another video, but I think what happens is that. I think one of the core reasons why we compare ourselves so much to others is because our society is completely built off of this, right? Yeah. We think about universities, right? We are graded on a curve system where we're ranked, you know, lowest to highest, and we have to compare ourselves to, to other people. We're forced in that environment instead of being forced in an environment where it's a collaborative environment. We're forced to be in a competitive environment, yeah. right? Our workplace, you know, corporate settings, they do the exact same thing, right? Like you are constantly in competition against other candidates for a certain position, for a certain title, right? For a certain salary. And we're constantly in competition. And so I feel as if, you know, all of these things end up, you know, leading us towards certain behaviors in our adult life where you know we end up comparing our our cars to other other people's cars our belongings our houses our relationships you know all of these things and we lose sight of what truly matters you know the fact that we're even grateful you know we even have the opportunity to, to have these things right yeah. you know what has been your experience going through you know university and like you know going through the corporate world i know that you eventually left that right yeah uh yeah i totally agree like school was obviously like i didn't i didn't like school yeah i was never good at it i passed university i got a <laughs> degree that's good but that was more so for my parents to make them like feel like oh yeah he finally got a degree perfect but other than that it was really never for me and i know what you're talking about with the comparison with the grades mm -hmm. transparency but and you post second there, you have a student ID, so they no one knows yeah, your student ID. They'll yeah. have your first and last name on there, yeah. so it's not as yeah. embarrassing to be <laughs> at the bottom. But still, you're like looking, yeah. and I would pretend that I'm like, oh, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a 90 or whatever it is. Yeah. But I was at the bottom, like 60s, yeah. 50s. Um, but I mean, yeah, like in corporate world, it is it is a dog eat dog world, especially in Toronto. Yeah. As much as people say that it's not political, it's super political, and I guess people try to create this culture around like oh employees first and everything like that but at the end of the day you have to earn everything mm -hmm. and when if you want to earn it you have to be the top yeah if you're not the top you're not going to get to the next spot yeah right exactly and it's not a really great environment um so i think the what i've heard was like a lot of people are getting rid of grades or like you know facebook google's getting rid of like the post-secondary requirements mm -hmm. and i think that's really good because some people don't school doesn't work for them yeah and they're able to do better yeah. i have some friends that have to go to school and they're doing really well yeah no doubt no doubt man so you know having being the person to have those child experiences that you did how did that manifest itself in your adult life you know besides some of the things we've already talked about well uh most recently you know, I bought a car. Right? Yeah. So it's a nice car. Yeah. Uh, funny story. So my friend and I met up after like a few weeks for, after his wedding. It was at this dive bar, mm -hmm. old bar that his family owns. We're there. He tells me he bought a car for his mom or his wife, GLE 40, GLC 43. 
Super nice car. I love it. I love Mercedes. And he's like, you're looking for a car, right? No. No, no, I have some cars here. Yeah. Pull some up. I'm like, that's so nice. Yeah. And then immediately after I heard him, he bought the car, I felt I didn't have a lot. I'm like, shit, I need a new car. I need to one-up this guy. I mean, not consciously, but mm -hmm. I mean, I felt like, oh man, he has a new car. I need a new car now. Right. And what did I do? I went to the dealership Monday morning during Heritage Days, uh, that, that civic holiday. And I went in without the intent to buy, but I just got suckered in and I bought it on impulse. It was such a bad decision. And now mm -hmm. I look at it, Look at it every time like, you idiot, you made a poor choice, but you know what? You did it, just live with it, forgive yourself for yeah. that, right? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I think that so many of us experience this where we hear about someone else's purchase and immediately we get like subconsciously, most of us, most of the times this happens subconsciously, subconsciously for us, we feel the need to almost one-up them. Yeah. We're like, damn, they bought a car. I gotta buy a nicer car now. I gotta buy right. a faster car, I gotta buy a faster house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's typically how it works. And I think comparison's completely normal. I think you talked about this earlier. We yeah. all do it. Um, I mean, it comes from our like history, right? Like yeah. we, we're, we identify ourselves, we form ourselves, our identities based on the people we surround ourselves with. Mm -hmm. And that's from comparison. Mm -hmm. And it has a good part to it. And then the comparison part, there's also a negative side where we focus mostly on negative things that what we don't have. And you said we should focus on what we do have already and mm -hmm. how far we've come from like what we didn't have. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I think that it's almost near impossible to completely eliminate these thoughts because they're so ingrained into our being that like it just it happens without us even noticing it right and so i can totally resonate with your your story about the car because you know i when i recently bought a house immediately afterwards i was like god i need to buy a bigger house now right? like and it's always like it's always like you constantly feel like you never have enough you know, it's fortunate enough to be able to become aware of that before, you know, um, making any, yeah, making, like any yeah. <laughs> making yeah. any poor decisions. But a lot of us, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of us don't have that, right? A lot of us don't, um, aren't aware of it yet because again, they, they, these are thoughts that are happening happening at the subconscious level. So, you know, Let's talk a little bit about some of the strategies that you've been able to to really identify and yeah. you know implement and use in your day to day to to help manage these things. Uh, I guess one of the big things was meditation, mm -hmm. uh, being more mindful. So um, I told you I'm working with a coach. Yeah. She always questions my thought when I tell her, "Oh, I'm not good at that. Is that true? I have an addictive personality. Is that true?" and I think having that coach really has helped me to identify, no, these aren't true. These are just thoughts and your thoughts aren't you. Yeah. So that's number one. Number two is questioning yourself too. So I always ask myself, why do I need this? Mm -hmm. what, what purpose does this car serve me? Or what purpose does my thoughts serve me right now? And is this thought about me not being enough true? Mm -hmm. So from there, I'm able to, I guess, question that thought of I'm not enough and then turn it around and say, hey, I am enough. I've come a long way. I didn't have a car like this before. I couldn't afford it. Now I can afford it. I didn't have a house before. Now I have a house. I could afford mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. So I mean, when you look back, hindsight's twenty twenty. You say these are all the accomplishments I have now. I should be content. And contentment is not a bad thing. I think a lot of people say when you're content or when you're in the comfort zone, you know, your dreams die. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people have seen that. I think that's total BS. Mm -hmm. Be content, right? Don't let people tell you not to be content. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah um, so those are, I guess, some of the things I, I've done. And I know you've talked about some of the things you've done. So I guess, like, did you want to share that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, but before I, before I get into that, I, I wanted to um, just really reiterate this, you know, you highlighted a really important part yeah. about, you know, bringing your subconscious thoughts into your conscious thoughts. And sometimes we aren't able to get through this process on our own. You, you talked about working with a coach, right? And sometimes you need that person to be there to prompt you and ask you those difficult questions, right? And I know that through your struggle, through your battle with mental health, you found a passion in supporting others to make sure that they don't go through the same journey. And you were able to start your company, The Hungry Mind, which is a coaching and mentorship platform, right? Talk to us a little bit about that. <laughs> uh, what do you What do you want to know about that? I think like more so, <laughs> yeah. you know, how how coaching and mentorship has been able to really, you know, being a coach and a mentor, how you've been really able to to help people, you know, get through some of these these difficult challenges and these these difficult thoughts. Yeah. So I guess the biggest thing that most people struggle with is that barrier we have in our minds. It's not mm -hmm. a true barrier, but to us, it feels so real mm -hmm. that we can't get, get past that. And having that coach and mentor, when I coach people, they always have these thoughts that have told me, I'm not confident, mm -hmm. I'm not this, I'm not that. And I say, is that true? Like yeah. what she does for me, but mm -hmm. I frame it in a way like, okay, why do you think that though? Mm -hmm. Why? What makes you think that? Is there a time and place where you've been that you were confident though? Tell me about that situation. Yeah. How did you feel? Right. And then from there, I guess like the big thing is, the thought is one thing, rewiring your thoughts, but the next part is like, what behaviors do you need to actually reinforce those thoughts now? For sure. Um, I'm a gym guy, let's say. Yeah. You have to go to the gym now, right? Like, so I build out those small habits, like very small incremental changes in their life. So put your gym shoes on every day. You don't have to go to the gym yet. You've never gone to the gym in your entire life. Yeah. Put gym shoes on every day. That's all you do. Right. And then week two is maybe put your shorts on or what have you. And then from there, eventually you'll get to the gym and when you're, when you're at the gym, what are you going to do? You, you should work out. You're not going to like put in that effort and not actually start working out. Yeah. So, I mean, coaching is really important because you need that person to always question you because those questions are hard to ask yourself. And eventually you can ask yourself that because your coach has taught you to do that mm -hmm. and you've rewired your mind to do it. And before it was so manual for me too. And now it's a little bit more automatic. It's just like, oh, you're dumb. Oh, no, you're not. Okay, why do you think you're dumb? And then it's just so quick now, right? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It's almost like you have someone that is not only, well, someone that is keeping you accountable yeah. to yourself, right? But someone that is able to guide you through these small, low-risk steps, yeah. right? In order to accomplish the, the bigger goal, right, at the end of the day. And you're right, not all of us, you know, because we, we have this sort of like a psychological barrier that, you know, prevents us from 
doing these things on our own, sometimes we need that person to, to, really, to, to really just nudge us, right? And push us towards the right direction. Yeah. I'm, you know, I, I'm glad that you were able to really take you know, your personal struggle and really manifest into something where you're, you know, can truly help people and help them get through some of the struggles that, you know, you've been through, but also help them prevent, um, help prevent them from going through some of these challenges, right? It's a hard industry though, for sure. Like, I mean, especially with men, like we're not, we don't like to be vulnerable and share our thoughts or feelings. It's just society's put that on us essentially. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's been tough to like get these guys to open up. I mean, for the fourth session, that's when they start talking to me. Like the first three sessions, it's almost like we're going in back and forth, back and forth, where I'm not getting anywhere with them. Yeah. And then by the fourth session, they've opened up to me. Depends on the person, but average so far has been like four sessions. I just wish like we're able to be more vulnerable. Yeah, It's not something that I can change. It's something that has been conditioned in our minds for centuries. So it's not going to happen overnight. Eventually, mm -hmm. maybe those changes will come to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. It almost feels like we are scared of being seen in this vulnerable light. And it almost feels at times, it, it really is somewhat connected to comparing ourselves to others, right? When we compare ourselves to others, we don't want to be seen in a poor light. We don't want to be seen, you know, having a lower status than someone else, right? Yeah. And when we are vulnerable, society has conditioned us to think that that is considered a low status. But yeah. in reality, when we're vulnerable, we're actually the most courageous. Yeah, right? and vulnerability is like a really powerful thing. Mm -hmm. Like I. I, I wrote about it today, mm -hmm. like how vulnerability is like such a powerful tool we can use mm -hmm. as leaders, you know, coaches, anyone can use it, right? For and sure. as long as you, I, I get why we don't want to share it because it can be used against you too a mm -hmm. lot of times. But I mean, I don't know. I hope people have good intent so yeah. they don't use it against me. Yeah. Like I've had people use it against me before. They're no longer friends, obviously, for that reason. Mm -hmm. But yeah, and like you did talk about something about accountability. Um, that's another tool that you know coaches do so they keep you accountable having that social aspect for someone to force you to go or like you're telling someone hey yeah. i'm gonna go to the gym make sure i go and you talked about that too before mm -hmm. yeah no absolutely do you find that with a coach you will guide people towards questioning why they've made a certain decision as well too you know for instance like let's say that you know we we've recently gone through an experience where you know we you know we're on the cusp of making a, a impulsive purchase or have made one right like do you find that in your coaching experience um, sometimes people don't we don't ask ourselves why we've actually done something and you know uh, as a coach you you are asking those questions yeah why did you end up buying that car? Because then I never bring it up. So a lot of coaches have this like typical structure they like to go through. They have a, an agenda or a plan. But usually how I like to coach people is like, what do you want to talk about today? Mm -hmm. Like we talked about this. How did last week's goals go? Mm -hmm. Okay, you accomplished them. What are the next things you want to get out of the way this week? For sure. And I let them do the goals. And like if something comes up that we didn't really talk about last week, let's say like a car for me, yeah. if I purchased the car, and I felt like I had to bring it up. Oh, I felt like an idiot buying this car. Yeah. And then that's when I would bring it up. I never right. judge them for what they tell me. I just tell right. 
yeah. yeah why did you end up buying it like yeah. what what caused you to do that so and a lot of my clients they get scammed into some MLMs and like a lot of things yeah. and then like I guess those herbal doctors holistic doctors there's a lot of them that sell their product online and mm -hmm. they regret it after because yeah. it didn't work for them yeah and I would ask them like what made you do that obviously right. they're concerned about their health yeah. but I mean it's just a lot of reason I don't still don't understand why they for sure go into those things but yeah usually if you you dig a little bit deeper there's usually some sort of other underlying reason right yeah. and I think that just shows us that all of us have the answers within us. We just sometimes need a little bit of help to yeah. really just uncover it, right? And so, you know, one of the things that um, I've been re I've been able to uncover through, you know, um, not necessarily a coach, but just through my own self-development journey and in reading and, you know, listening to podcasts and what have you is the notion of gratitude, right? And this ties in so closely with, with really comparing ourselves to others. And I don't think we realize it enough at times. So oftentimes when we compare ourselves to others, we feel as if we don't have enough, right? That's usually because we're not focusing on the things that we do have, right? We're not, like you said before, we're not looking at the hindsight vision. We're not looking at where we are today compared to where we are, t uh, you know, five years ago or 10 years ago, right? We're looking at, most of us get suckered into looking at ourselves and comparing ourselves to the person next to us, yeah. right, instead, right? And so we always feel like we're constantly lacking. We always feel like we never have enough. And so one thing that I've, you know, really, re um, really started to dive deep into recently is the, the, idea, to, the idea of gratitude journaling. Now, this is something that has personally helped me quite a bit and it's part of the reason why you know I was able to n you know really navigate away from making a making that impulsive decision but it's not to say that it will work for everyone right it, I think the key thing the really one of the key messages here is that you know if you haven't tried it already and you are looking for something to try try it out right and so Gratitude journaling, for me, what that means is that every morning, just like how we brush our teeth in the morning, just like how we brush our teeth at night, I will take a few minutes just to write down three things that I'm grateful for. And because I find that as we amass more and more success, it becomes easier and easier to fall victim into this, you know, you know to this uh, comparison mind state. Yeah. Right? I have to force myself to do these things because if, if I don't have a forcing factor in, in play, I know that I won't just naturally think about these things, right? Yeah. So I'll take a few minutes to write three things that I'm grateful for. It could be anything, it could be family, it could be just waking up and being able to have a roof over your head, it could be you know having food in the fridge and these things we often take for granted, but a lot of people in the world, they don't have the opportunity yeah. To get, to get these things right and so I know growing up especially in an Asian culture you know we're always taught like hey you know make sure you finish all of your food because otherwise because someone else is suffering and we right. didn't have that growing yeah. up right we didn't, we didn't have food yeah. growing up I, yeah so I'm like exactly. oh, okay sure yeah. I'll finish my rice <laughs> yeah exactly right yeah. even though we didn't have abundance we still had some we still had something right and some people don't have 
anything at all, right? Some people are just starving and, you know, it's, it is very unfortunate, you know? And so in the morning, I'll take a few minutes before I even start my day to just write three things that I'm grateful for. And because after we have finished our days, after we get off a long day at work, we naturally think about all of the things we, are, we haven't been able to accomplish, you know, things that are on our to-do list for the next day. We, are, we gravitate towards these negative thoughts, right? And so for me, it's really important to also do it at nighttime. So I'll spend a few minutes before I go to bed just reflecting on the day and finding three things that, you know, I'm grateful for that had, that had happened that day. And so just like brushing our teeth in the morning and at night prevents that, you know, that plaque buildup and we clean out all that, all, all the, you know, all the, um, like the rotting materials, right? To, to prevent our teeth from decaying, we really have to be conscious of doing the same thing with our minds so that this way, you know, we get rid of those negative thoughts. We, you know, we remap our minds, which naturally gravitate towards these negative thoughts, towards, you know, forming more positive ones, right? In the grand scheme of, you know, in the, in the, with the grand purpose of just trying to, you know, live a more happier and more fulfilling life at the end of the day. Yeah, and like with journaling, like it's it's hard to get started with it. And I don't know how you did it. Did you just go all in with it, or did you slowly integrate it into your life? Because yeah. I guess for me, it's not something that I could do every day. I have to slowly build that habit. Some people can go all in mm -hmm. right away, but most people that I know, they don't go all in. They just slowly do it. So they'll do like once a month or once a week. Did you go all in? Yeah, I I think for me, I'm just yeah. like that's my natural tendency. If I if I pick something up, I try to just go all in with it because I think that it, with depth, we're able to <clears throat> really get so much more out of it, yeah. right? And so I challenged myself and I, I wrote down, I set a goal for myself and I said, if I can do this for an entire week, you know, I will, I will reward myself in, in some, some way, right? Yeah. And I was able to do it an entire week and, you know, in the first week, I didn't see that like I started noticing subtle differences, but nothing substantial, right? So I was like, you know what? I like this. <clears throat> I think this is, it is, it's not harming me anyway. So let's just keep doing it, right? And so what I do is every day I will, I will after I, I write my, my entry in at nighttime, I will actually write the next day's date on the next page, oh, right? Okay. So because I know that for me, I have this almost like a, like a very OCD like tendency, yeah. right? I feel like I don't wanna, I don't wanna have to go and scribble that date out. Like, so I'm gonna make sure I get that done, right? Yeah. No matter what. So that has really worked for me and it's been able, I've been able to do it over the past several months. And I could say it's really started to change the way that I think about things. And I try to actually encourage, you know, whenever I catch myself speak negatively about something i will stop myself mid-sentence and i'll just say you know what i shouldn't be saying that and i rephrase it in a, in a more positive way right so yeah it's had it's had some it's definitely had some benefits outside of just you know you know um preventing or you know minimizing i should say the amount of times i'll compare myself
Yeah, I think that's like a lot to do with like positive psychology now. So yeah. There's like so much research on positive psychology because mm -hmm. typically psychology is like you're depressed. Okay, let's get you to the to the normal level. Yeah. But I mean, positive psychology is okay. Let's focus on just like the positive stuff you for have sure. in your life, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I get it. Uh, but I mean, it doesn't work for everyone. I mean, yeah. there's so many solutions out there. So, journaling might not work for you. So I'm just curious to know what everyone else has tried so far. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, I think the biggest thing is that, you know, uh, like I said before, it's, it's really just about giving other people, you know, our listeners just uh, a different, some different insights if they, if they haven't uncovered them already, seeing what the, has worked for them. And then being able to learn about what has worked for other people, right? And so that really, concludes you know our our conversation here today about comparing ourselves to others we we're so interested in learning about what you guys have to say um what sort of insights you guys have been able to uncover through your your personal growth journey so let us know let us know and you know uh, if you do end up trying one of these strategies also let us know how that has worked out for you and let us know if there's any sort of topics that you guys want us to talk about in, in our next videos. But that's it. Yeah. Cool.